You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Good morning, campers. Alan Jerry. Don't worry, it's only an hour long, and most days it doesn't suck. Oh, it's not going to suck today. You've got Mike Flegelman and Peter Schwartz here with you. Jerry and Joe Beningo coming your way at 6 o'clock. We've got Big Zoo with us the rest of the week, and CeeLo returns tomorrow. But, Peter, today is a day, or yesterday, I guess, was the day that a lot of New York baseball fans have been waiting for for quite a while, and the team still stink. Even after wins on Wednesday night, there's nothing great to talk about with the guys currently on the field, but there has been some news that starting at the end of this week, fans will get to see guys they've wanted to see for quite some time. Ronnie Mauricio for the Mets, Jason Dominguez, and Austin Wells for the Yankees. So while they are both playing in lost seasons and playing out the string, fans are finally going to get a look at the kids for both teams. Yeah, you know. Mauricio, I'm surprised he wasn't up earlier in the season when the Mets started going south. You figured they were going to give him a shot, and he had such a good season at AAA this year. And for the Yankees, I'm I'm thrilled to see those two guys come up today. You know, Dominguez, you started to wonder, you know, when he was going to start to move up because his development was so slow in the low minor leagues, and he finally made his way um, up the ladder quickly this year to Double A then to AAA, and now he's coming all the way up. So I think it's in a season that is so lost for both teams, this is a day to actually be really, really happy and get a chance to see these guys play. Right. I mean, and Dominguez, you're right, it has to be the most exciting because he is by far the most physically gifted. And, I, you know, McMonagall at the end of the overnight show talking about physically gifted and talented greatest of all time obviously Dominguez has a long way to go for that but we've heard about him for a few years now we've heard about the Martian we've heard how hyped up he is and you watch him play the kid is a freak in all the best ways so you're excited about Wells and you're excited about Mauricio they're talented kids they're highly regarded prospects but Dominguez is sort of on another level where if you're the Yankees right now he's somebody that you're going to see them all of September, and as we start to think about what this team can look like next year, now Yankees fans can say, okay, is he a big part of the solution to the outfielder problem? But you said out of this world, he's definitely that because he's called the Martian. So um, it'll be it's nice that he lands uh, in the Bronx. Actually, he'll land um, with the in Yankees Houston. In, in Houston. So that's the only, that would be only like to nitpick. The only you know disappointing thing is that he doesn't get to start at home, but. Mauricio uh, will this weekend. Look, when you when you when you're not when you're in a season where it's, you're not going to the playoffs, you have to have some hope in watching the games on TV. And with these three guys coming up to the two teams, it gives you a reason to put the TV on and watch. Because otherwise, you know, why why do you have to spend the time watching if there's if there's no hope and 
at least you get a little bit of a crystal ball into what to expect next year. And I, you know, from Dominguez's standpoint, you know, he, he does a little bit of everything. Switch hitter, hits for power, can run. Wells, maybe he's the answer at catcher. Maybe they find another position for him somewhere down the road. And Mauricio, I still the only question mark with him is where he's going to wind up playing. I guess he'll play second base a little bit. Right. Maybe you see him at DH as well. That's the one reason I've, and I've been arguing with Mets fans about this you know, on the air, off the air for the last few months. I'm not surprised that Ronnie Mauricio did not get the call because, one, there were still aspects of his game where the team didn't love his plate discipline. And two, he can't play a position right now. He struggled at second base, struggled in the outfield. I know Joe was saying yesterday maybe they should have given him a run at DH, and I think that if there was a solution with him in the big leagues, that probably would have been it. But this is a good audition for him to show you, obviously, one, can he hit? Two, can he handle even adequately one of the positions at the big league level? And for the Yankees, these are big auditions because we know the outfield is a huge problem, and we know catcher this year was much more of a problem than it was last year and if Wells shows you something in September not that you're going to say he's the starting catcher next year but could he be part of the kind of platoon they've been running the last few years absolutely these are guys who are very highly regarded not just uh, from the New York teams but all across baseball and again Domingo is on another level but this is a real chance for them to not only prove it for themselves but to make things a little bit easier on both of these teams in the offseason when they both have a lot of holes to fill. From a Yankees perspective, too, it, it's nice to see them give the kids a chance to play because you 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 want to see the team go out and spend money like like they've always done you know, in the past. And in, in a couple of days span, you've got Josh Donaldson gone, big problem, nobody liked him. Now you're starting to see the kids come up. And Spencer Jones who was in the low minor leagues, is now up at double-A Somerset. I think he just hit his first home run at double-A last night. I think it was a a grand slam. So it's something to look forward to, certainly. And I think the Mets just brought Parada up from Brooklyn to double-A Binghamton. So it's nice to see these prospects making the move. In some cases, there's a fast track. In some cases, it took a while. But it's just nice to see you hear, oh, they got to replenish the farm system. They've got nobody down there. They've got nothing now at least you're starting to see you know, those fruits start to grow and, and, and come up, and we had a chance to see them play here. Well, you're starting to. And for the Mets, it's a little bit different because they're really, there was a, a wide gap in how far away. Like they, they went a few years without really adding that kind of talent to the organization. So, yes, it's there, and you mentioned Parada. He's a first-round draft pick last year. So they have guys on the way, and we even know the big thing with them is pitching, pitching. They don't have any pitching. They now have a lot of guys who look like they could be future major leaguers, they're all still, if not for maybe Vassal, who could be here early next year, the rest of them are still about a year away. So it's still going to be a while until you see if any of that will pay off any dividends in a positive way. But the, the guy I'm most fascinated by here, of the trio, so including both teams, is Dominguez because this year, if you've tracked it, if you've been paying attention to the prospect, like we all know Mauricio has been hitting the ball in Syracuse since the start of the year. Mets fan, He had a decent spring training. Mets fans have been ready to see him since March or April. Mm-hmm. Dominguez is a guy who, again, he's been so touted for a couple of years now. He's nicknamed the Martian. He's supposed to be this special sort of generational talent, one of those unique players. 
And he got off to a slow start in double-A. It did. did not come easy for Jason Dominguez. There were people that jumped off the bandwagon in April, May, June of this year. Well, even and last year. in the second year, half of the summer, he really turned things around. He's been red hot for the last few months. Oh, Mike, even last year, when he was, he was for a while, the number one prospect. And then last year, Volpe passed him. And people were really, you're right, people were down on him because you just felt like he wasn't making any progress. And all of a sudden this year, maybe with the expectations starting to drop a little bit, and maybe he relaxed a little bit down in the minor leagues, you've seen him, his his approach at the plate is a lot better. He's not striking out as much as he may have done in the past. And every step he's made, especially, he's just been at AAA for a week or so. And right off the bat, the exit velocity, you know, has been tremendous at that level. And, you know, if that's not the case, they, they're probably not calling him up today. But just the fact that it looks like he's finally getting it, he's finally adapting to what he needs to do. And I just, I think it's going to be great to, to see this. I'm very excited to actually watch a little bit of this tonight. It gives you hope. You mentioned his trip, or, start in tomorrow, AAA. Tomorrow, I mean. Right, his start in AAA and how good it was, especially compared to what he did when he got promoted to Double uh, A. It gives you hope that he's not one of these guys that's going to be, and I think to the Mets had this with Francisco Alvarez, was a slow starter at every level. So you kind of knew, all right, the first couple of weeks in the big leagues, just like they were in AAA, AA, might be a little bit of a slog. The way he performed in AAA, obviously you know there's a huge uh, difference in the level of competition, but because he's red hot right now, it gives you hope that, you know what, maybe Dominguez can come out of the gate red hot, all things considered, for a rookie, not expecting to hit 400, but he can show you the skills you need to see. You mentioned the exit velocity. He can play good defense when he's out in the field. He can ha- you know, have a smart approach at the plate, whether the results are there or not, to give you confidence going into next season where the Yankees expect to be, or at least I, we probably expect them right now, to try to go back and make up for the mistakes of this year and put out a team that can win a World Series. We expect that from the New York Yankees. We probably expect it every single year. And this has been the last couple off-seasons, especially two years ago when you think, well, Volpe and Peraza are coming eventually. They're going to be here. And we knew Dominguez was in the works. And Wells, all these guys were on their way eventually that they sat out the last two off-seasons. They said, well, we can't sign anybody long-term because those kids are going to be the future. So... Not that you punted, but you didn't do everything you could have to win in these two years when mm-hmm. Garrett Cole and Aaron Judge are in their primes. This year, Garrett Cole is probably going to win the Cy Young, and the Yankees completely wasted that because they haven't been aggressive in the last two seasons. They haven't even with short-term deals. They, ha- you know, We talked about last year endlessly. They could have done what the Twins did. They could have been the team that signed Carlos Correa. Instead, they go trade Josh Donaldson and allow the Twins to bring in Carlos Correa in 2022. Right. Now these kids are here. And as Judge gets older and Cole gets older and Stanton is flirting with being almost unplayable, it's the last year Glaber Torres is under contract. And as frustrating he is, and I understand why a lot of Yankees fans don't like him, he's your second most consistent hitter in that lineup. He had another homer. He's homered in three straight games. So this is a chance where you might have a pretty narrow window. So you want to see Dominguez and Wells kind of grab the bulls by the horn because you want to win right away with this group with the mix of veterans and rookies. And I think it, it invigorates the veterans. There's going to be a soundbite you'll hear on one of the updates later on this morning um, on the show where Garrett Cole talks about uh, the excitement of seeing these kids, you know, you know, Pereira and 
uh, Peraza coming up. You know, obviously Volpe has had an interesting rookie season, a lot of power, but you know the batting average was not there. And now you got um, you know Dominguez and, and Wells coming up. So in a lost season for the players who we know are going to be around in upcoming seasons, not all of them on the roster, but we know the big ones who are going to be around. At least it's rejuvenating to them to know, hey. There might be a lie at the end of the tunnel. We get to you know tr- uh, spring training next year. These guys are going to push for a roster spot next year. Maybe they're part of what could be a winning formula next year. Yeah, it gives you, because you have all these kids, and you know the way it works. Not all of them are going to hit, or at least definitely they're not all going to hit right away. It might take some guys you know, maybe a couple months, maybe a year to really get going. But you're calling up Dominguez and Wells. Volpe is already here and has established himself as a good Major League shortstop who almost definitely is going to get even better. We see the tools. We see the talent. We see why the Yankees have loved him as much as they have. You know, you see talent with Peraza. You even see it with a guy like Oswaldo Cabrera. You see the physical gifts that are there, and it gives you hope as a Yankees fan, and we can even get to the Mets in a second of how it works with them. But with the Yankees, that's five young players to add to Aaron Judge and one more year of Glaber if they keep him. And it gives you enough of a jumping off point to say, okay, you know, it's it's not the entire answer to the puzzle. You still have to close the gap with three, maybe four teams, because I don't know how far ahead of them the Red Sox really are, but definitely head-to-head, they're better than them on the right. field just because the Red Sox are no longer scared of the Yankees. But then there are three teams that are significantly ahead of you, and this can really help you start to close that gap before what will be one of the biggest off-seasons of Brian Cashman's tenure. Right, because if, if if Dominguez and Wells show that they're going to be able to push for a play, for a roster spot next year and you see the other kids starting to come along, now you can start thinking about the off-season making moves to clear up that, you know, the the open, you know, some some money room from the luxury tax where you can go out and get a key player or two during the off-season. They might not be afraid to do it because the more young players you have in the mix, you know, they're under control. They're not going to be making a whole lot of money. So now it might give the Yankees a little more flexibility to go out there and make the moves that they've been kind of afraid to make. Yeah, and, you know, Dominguez, again, he's expected to be the star of this group. But if Wells can just show that he can be a backup catcher, part of the platoon for the first year, then the Yankees could say, all right, we're happy with Trevino and Wells. Or they can go out and they can add a veteran to that group the fewer moves you have to make in any offseason in order to compete, the right. better off you are. We saw that the last two years, but especially the most recent one with the Mets. When they've had teams that were, I've described the Mets for years as this organization was a ticking time bomb because there is very little in the farm system that's close. There's absolutely no pitching. Start a reliever, forget it. If you need them to pitch, the Mets don't have it. They're- and they had all the veterans on contracts that were about to expire, you know, they got to this last year. Stay have one reliever under contract, and he stinks. Mets fans hate him, and they should. Just <laughs> you get to at the end of a season, and you have one major league reliever under contract. You're losing multiple starters. DeGrom, Bassett, Walker, that's three-fifths of your starting rotation is no longer under contract. Carlos Carrasco, there's an option, so you could argue four. The more spots you have to fill, even with money, even with resources, which the Mets have and aren't afraid to use, and the Yankees have, and for the most part still, I will say, are not afraid to use. I know the last two years have been a little different, but most of the time they're willing to plug those holes. The more spots you have to fill, 
with acquisitions, whether it's trades, free agency, the more vulnerable you are. Because while you'll get the rare case of, okay, and Otani's a free agent a couple years ago, Machado and Harper, there are great players. You know, the Zach Wheeler was a free agent because the Wilpon era Mets were idiotic and decided to let him walk. Right. For the most part, these guys are available for a reason. So then you're picking from a pool of filling out a quarter or half of your roster with guys that other teams said, yeah, you know what, we're good, we're done with this guy. The more spots you can fill internally, the better off you are, oh, whether you're a small market team or big market team. I like the fact when I can see a player play in the minor leagues in person and then see them get called up because uh, earlier this summer, my son and I were in Syracuse and we saw the AAA Mets and the AAA Yankees uh, play. Peraza played in that game for um, Scranton Wilkesbury, and we saw Mauricio play in that game. It's always cool to see guys come up in the minor league system. And now that Mauricio is coming up to the Mets, there is another player that the rest of my family, who are all Met fans, are really excited to see. And if you can guess who that is, he's, having... now with, he's now at Double A. JT Schwartz. Oh, JT Schwartz. Right. Well, <laughs> and, and for the very obvious reason. And it's funny, you know, we were talking about how quickly Dominguez's uh, ascent has been, especially in the second half of this year, because first three months, not great. When you saw those two teams play AAA, that was only a couple weeks ago, maybe a month ago. It was in uh, June, yeah. He wasn't even there. Like there was that at that point, it was well. This is a lost season for Jason Dominguez. Hopefully, he can somehow salvage this. And you're maybe thinking to next year. And now, as we reach the end of August, about to start September, he turned his season around. He's shown you the player, at least in the minor leagues, that we all expected him to be. The Yankees expected him to be. And now he's going to get his chance in the big leagues. And for the Yankees fans and the Mets fans, but for the Yankees fans especially, just because all, more of these kids are coming up around mm-hmm. the same time for the Mets. Alvarez has already been here. Beatty, if he gets to call back up, he's already been here. Vientos has been here. Mauricio's the only new one. For the Yankees, in a lost season, you're about to get to watch sometimes three, four, five of these guys in the lineup at the same time. I actually now, you know, I, I had said you know a few weeks ago, Mike, I really... I don't know if I'll get to another Yankee game this year. Like, now I might want to go. Now I certainly like to see all these kids playing. I probably want to go see Dominguez play. Well, I'm sure Hal Steinbrenner is very, very happy to hear that. Yeah. No, well, and, and listen, I'm, no, I'm being serious because you can watch these teams. City Field, forget it. It's a ghost town. You know, yeah, the fans booed Max Scherzer the other night on the tribute video. It looks like there's 8,000 people there. I mean, who, who's booing? It, these stadiums could become a ghost town with how expensive it is. Tickets, parking. But you're right. Seeing those kids in person for a baseball fan is a legitimate reason to go to the ballpark. No question about it. It would, and and anyone who would say otherwise just probably doesn't get it because you do want to see you'd want to see these guys play at the beginning of the career and be able to say, oh, when they become stars. Well, you remember when they got called up. You remember his first game at Yankee Stadium. You remember Mauricio, you know, walking through you know the tunnel to the dugout at City Field for the first time. And those are cool things to be a part of. They are. And we'll see if we remember it. That night on August 30th in 2023, a lost season for both teams. But you find out all three of these prospects are coming to the big leagues. They'll be here in a couple of days. We have to get through today without them. Off day for the Mets. Yankees play. They'll try to sweep the series against the Tigers without Wells and Dominguez. But tomorrow, Friday night, when you would think, ah, Friday night, Labor Day weekend, there's no chance you're watching these baseball teams. 
you might at the very least pick up your phone to try to watch the at-bats of these three individuals. It's Schwartz and Flegelman with you on the warm-up. We've still got a little bit to get to. Jihad Ward, we talked about him and Aaron Rodgers a lot yesterday. Ward responded to the latest Hard Knocks drama. We'll get into that. More on the baseball. The warm-up continues next on The Fan before Jerry and Joe Beningo at 6. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. What up, y'all? It's your boy, Danny Green, three-time NBA champ. You either rooted for me or rooted against me. Join myself and my co-host Harrison Sanford on the Inside the Green Room podcast. It's a podcast that brings you never-before-told tales from the locker room to candid interviews with basketball legends to breakdowns of what's happening in the NBA right now. Whether you're a diehard fan or casual about your hoops, this podcast brings you the game like never before. Follow Inside the Green Room on the Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. 10 days until the Giants kick off the season against the Cowboys. The Giants stopped him at the one yard line. Holy cow! The home of New York Giants football. The Fan, 1019 FM, and always live on the free Odyssey app. Nice by Zoo. Right, Bonnie Zoo, Tyler. Very on point, holding out for holding a out hero. For, that is Bonnie. It's Bonnie Tyler, right? Yes. Is that, yeah. Yes, from Footloose. Oh, is that what it's originally? Well, it was I, a movie Footloose. There's a movie that I think I might have first heard this in, and Zoo. I wonder if this is the same one for you. The movie I think of when I hear this song is not Footloose. It's Shrek Two, which, oh, which, a fairy which will age the two of us. Yes, the fairy godmother sings it at the end. Oh, phenomenal scene, and by the way. she's the villain. Yeah, no, it's when Shrek is trying, in human form, rushing back to the palace to save the day. Oh, the yeah. gingerbread man, he oh, gets the right. froth yeah. on him. The giant one, he goes down. Oh, yeah. You see, that's why like, I'm the old I'm the old guy here, because I, I go, I go I, back to Footloose. I was so confident that when I brought that up to Zoo that he would deliver for me. <laughs> and I knew like you might miss that, because you're, that movie was probably but like 2003 no, or 4. But it's not the first thing that hits. Right. For me, the first thing that hits. And also, your sons are both a little too young to have like been really into that one, at least that Shrek, when it came out. Because that movie in 2003 or 2004. Well, two, well yeah, uh, Bradley wasn't born yet. Right. So you're not yeah. rushing out to the theater. Yeah. Like you were, you were in the age group where, because your kids weren't around yet, you were not going to the theater to see Shrek 2. Not Shrek 2, no. I think, I think we saw Shrek in... The, my wife and I might have seen Shrek in the theater. I don't remember. It's too far. I can't remember what I'm, you know, what I had for breakfast yesterday. That's now terrible. Shrek Four, Shrek Four, the best Shrek by a mile. That zoo. That is that is a hot take, and I love you. That's one of the worst takes I've ever heard. I didn't see. I anything cried past too. 
I cried during you're, Shrek 4. No, and here and I love Shrek. You're okay. The, the first two, I mean, the first one is the best. Second one is really, really close. It drops off after that. Yeah. You'll love They're the fine. fourth one. <laughs> yeah, uh, Zoo, I'm... We're gonna have we have four hours in the control room together, especially during those breaks. Shrek four. We're, we're gonna I have didn't even some know conversation. There was a Shrek four. Called Shrek Forever After. Rumpelstiltskin's in there. It's okay. Well, I know. And Peter, you say you can't remember what you had for breakfast yesterday, but I do hope that you remember that on this show and then on the morning show. We talked a lot about the Aaron Rodgers versus Jihad War drama. Yes, we did. And the audio from Hard Knocks where you know, we kind of saw it a little bit on Saturday night, but then when Hard Knocks has Rodgers mic'd up, we got a lot more Tuesday night. And then yesterday, we get the response from Jihad Ward. So, Peter, I'll just ask you, and I know you might have the audio. You're definitely going to play it when we get to Jerry and Joe. I didn't. I can't find it anywhere. I'll help you out with that after we're done here. Because apparently, well, there's a lot of expletives, too. Right. Whatever he said. Yes. But. Well, uh, so the the general gist of it is Jihad Ward said that you know, he saw the Jets laughing it up after Randall Cobb's uh, illegal blindside hit the block that we joked yesterday. Oh, this was legal two years ago. Now it's illegal. Randall Cobb's wife doesn't know it's illegal. She thinks it's a good hit. Then she realizes, oh, no, we're probably going to get a fine in the mail. Aaron Rodgers jokes, Cobby, you just lost your training camp money. What are you doing? It's not 2014 anymore. And Jihad Ward made it sound like he took a lot of offense to not just the hit, but the Jets laughing it off afterwards and kind of joking about it. And my first thought was immediately thinking, he could have a problem with the hit. Absolutely, it's now yeah. an illegal hit. Yeah. How could Jihad Ward possibly know what the Jets were saying? Because when you see the video, there ain't a blue jersey around when the Jets and Cobb are joking about it. No, there's I, no I don't way. Buy the, the, I don't buy it. Now at he might have found out after, like yesterday, when he talked about it, he might have seen what we saw in Hard Knocks and known about it. But in the moment, and again, it wasn't an egregious hit. It was a little shove after the play. You know, it, it's not the worst thing in the world. But there's no way that he knew what Rogers was saying to Cobb. And it's also, Rogers didn't even say, "Hey, good hit." He said, "Rent, what are you doing?" It's right. not he 2014 anymore. Yeah, he was ripping his right. teammate for and doing it. And making fun of his teammate. Like, come on, man, what are you doing? I think the only thing that he laughed it off was when he got back to the sideline and said, oh, this, I, I came back with something that's uncomebackable, whatever he was trying to pronounce at that time. Said, I, I don't said know who you uncomebackwithable? Uncomebackwithable, yeah, something like that. He would made up some word. But he said, oh, I, I told him I never heard of him. And then he said, I never heard of you. And he Yes. Right. Yeah. And this is, I forgot to ask you this yesterday. I mean, on top of the fact that obviously Jihad Ward knows who Aaron Rodgers is, is there a worse comeback, whatever it is, whatever the situation is, to repeat what the person just said back to you? Right. You can't do that. You no, lost. You lost. <laughs> I mean, you just, you, you know got self owned. You know right. who on, it is. On top I of mean, the come. obvious fact that you know who Aaron Rodgers is. He's a Hall of Fame quarterback. You, you know who he is. You're in the league. You grew up, you know, we know the younger players. They know who Aaron Rodgers is. You can't, in any situation, like, Zoo, you know this, if somebody is coming at you, whatever they say, your comeback can't be to just repeat it back to their face. Nah, it's better you off not lost. saying anything. Right. You lost. Put your tail between your legs, turn right. around, go home. That, Take your I own. mean, un unless you can come up with something off the cuff that's that's better or different, but to come back with the same Anything exact else. thing, and even if it's even if it's dumb, it's it can't be what the person just said to you. 
Aaron Rodgers said that I don't know who you are. He would have been better off going if when 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 Aaron said to him, I don't even know who you are. He sh- he could have been better off just saying F you. That's right. you know, like that's what he could have right. it's what he could have done. You know, eat that's grass, a better old man, comment. eat turf, right. Any you know, anything in the world. I mean there could have been He could have said, You guys are in our house. Right. Like you know, like they right. could have there could have been a million he things. He could have said you will soon, or you do now, or so, anything. It, that would have been cool. He could have even gone with you know, something that wasn't cool. Like, you know, again, you know, whatever, right. you know, call them old. You cannot. The one thing you cannot do in that spot <laughs> is say back to the person what they said to you. It is an automatic L. There is no way you can recover from that. No. And that's how I'm going to remember Jihad Ward. Well, I know it's tough. You're in the heat of the moment, but you can't repeat what was said to you. I mean, it's not like the Jet Giant game in October had no juice already because you knew there was going to be juice surrounding that game. I guess now there's a little bit more because we don't know if you know Ward's going to uh, even you know get in the game or if there's going to be another potential encounter with 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 him and and Rogers or even Randall Cobb, whatever. But it, it's going to be another talking point now that week, and it's got a little more juice to it. It does, and I just I know you love as the Jets fan just anything that is showing how engaged and locked in Aaron Rodgers is this year. It's trash talk with a player. It, you know, it should just kind of be whatever. But, you know, I like seeing that Aaron Rodgers is going to clap back or is going to respond or is going to say something. He's fired up rather than dealing with the, uh, you know, I'm the veteran, just kind of shove this aside. There there will be times where you want to see the, you know, I'm above the, whatever, I'm ignoring it. But a little bit, like, this is the important stuff early <laughs> on because, that, along with just about everything else he's done, is rallying his teammates around him. The other 52 guys on that team, they're going to go to bat. They're going to put their all out on the field for their quarterback. Uh, you know, I got to see Hard Knocks when I got home yesterday, and I played a couple of those sound bites yesterday where Aaron got upset with his teammates in practice. And to see the full context in the video, even before he started, you know, with all the cursing and everything like that, you can see his frustration level was building, and he's in control. I mean, it's accountability now. He sees what he has around him, and he wants to make sure everything is in line. And the fact that he was feisty on the field in a preseason game on Saturday night is, you said, he's dialed in. He is locked in. He is all in, and it's great to see because even with the excitement of him coming here, you still wondered – what the reasoning was, but why did he want to be a Jet? You know, what motivates him? He's clearly motivated to help the Jets win a Super Bowl. He is. And he, the way he's talked about it, I think he's, and I will still, I've argued this for years. I think Aaron Rodgers was right nine out of 10 times. There was a dispute between him and the Packers coaching staff or the front office. I always thought in each of those situations, Aaron Rodgers made a whole lot of sense and the Packers brain trust, not so much. But he's even taken stock of, Okay, well, what have I like? What we talked about yesterday with Brian Cashman, like, hey, you've done a really good job, but it can never hurt to take a little look in the mirror and reflect on, mm-hmm. well, what can I do better? If I'm doing ninety percent right, what's the ten percent I can be better at? And it feels like Aaron Rodgers has done that in the same way. You know, guys who we there's always been criticism of Rodgers. Maybe he's hard on teammates, or he's not. You know, he's yelling at them, snapping at them. At the same time, Tom Brady's been doing that his entire career. We remember there's footage of Tom Brady going at it with coaches. Right. I remember the famous one with him just chewing out Bill O'Brien over a decade ago. It's his offensive <laughs> coordinator. And Brady's laying into him. We've seen it with him and McDaniels before. 
you know, and he, yeah, well, with him, it's because he had won before. He's a competitor with Rogers. Oh well, he's a bad teammate. And from everything you hear, who who's saying Rogers is a bad teammate? The guys no. who were following him from the Packers and now want to play for the Jets, a woe be gone, awful franchise that we love and have a love hate relationship with because we root for them and all they've done is torture us. They can't wait to come over here to play with that guy. And then you're seeing the young guys immediately, Garrett Wilson, Sauce Gardner, they can't get enough How of about Aaron Rodgers. Becton? How about the relationship that Becton's had with Rodgers? You know, I think it was last week's hard knocks that Randall Cobb told the rest of the wide receiver group, hey, eight is going to lose his you-know-what if, if you run the wrong route. He does not like throwing interceptions. So it's great to have those, those former Packers now to help spread the word, hey, this is how it's going to run here. This is not, you know, Zach Wilson running the Jets last year and the other quarterbacks that came in, the Mike Whites of the world. This is Aaron Rodgers coming here, and there is a way about him and a way he wants things to be done. And I, I think that's the the real beauty of having a guy like Randall Cobb around and Alan Lazard. These guys have been through the war with him already, and they're letting everybody on the team know this is what you got to do, and you don't do this. He's not going to have the trust to throw the ball to you. Right. They're telling you two things. One, you know, this is real. This guy's real. Obviously, we believe that because we wanted to continue to have him as a teammate. And the second thing is, like you were saying, listen, the bar has been raised here. You have to meet this level. You have to meet this standard in order to be part of this group. And it seems like so far, the players on the Jets have responded, and you nailed a big one. Makai Becton, I would not discount the role Aaron Rodgers has played. This was a guy who, a couple months ago even, was complaining about the coaches, was talking about, I'm a left tackle, I'm not a right tackle. Now, he's fully embracing. It may not be where he wants to be, but he's at least embraced it. Let me be a part of this team. Let's hopefully win. And maybe one day I can end up back at left tackle. And Aaron Rodgers has both physically and, uh, you know, theoretically or figuratively embraced Makai Becton and kind of brought him into the fold and helped guide him along. Think about this about Becton for a second. Think about how easy it could have been for the Jets to completely give up on him. I know they didn't pick up the the fifth year on his on his deal. But think about how easy it would have been. And I don't think there would have been any, you know, you know, pushback by fans or media if they had just cut him and let him go. Like coming into camp two years in a row out of shape. But they still believed in him. They saw the player that was the first-round pick, the high first-round pick, and they didn't want to give up. Now, they didn't want to make the financial commitment for the fifth year until they saw the commitment from him to do what he did during the offseason. But think about what if the Jets had let him go. I mean, the story that he is right now in training camp, following him with those pictures every day on Twitter and watching the dramatic weight loss and him getting into shape and look at, at even through camp, you know, everyone was waiting. When's he going to get a chance to play with the first team? When's he gonna... the, the Jets had a plan. They had a systematic approach. They moved them along slowly. And now, look, I know he wants to be a left tackle like you just mentioned, but he's a starting right tackle now for the Jets. And how great of a story. And, and how easy could it have been for the Jets to just give up on him and let him go? And they didn't. Uh, six, seven weeks ago, we all thought he was being let go. It was not looking good. Boomer had been saying for a while, uh, you know, if Mekhi Becton doesn't turn things around, he's probably going to be gone. And you give credit to a couple people. Obviously, Becton for acknowledging and changing whatever had to be changed. But I think Rodgers played a big role in that. You have to give a little bit of credit 
to the coaching staff as well. That could be Sal, that could be Hackett, that could be the new offensive line coach. They brought it from the Titans. But the one guy I'm going to look at because I know what it was before he was here and I know what it is now afterwards, not just with Becton, but with everybody. Peter, at least as we sit here, end of August, and he's done everything right so far, I feel like giving the credit to Rodgers. I, it's he's a, a big role, no question about it. I love that line in Hard Knocks. Where he's, Let's go get lunch. Let's go talk. And, and then you find out they're following up on it. The plan and, is and to it really, and it really did together. happen. Yeah. So it's just listen. It's as a Jet fan, you know, we talked about this the other day. Like you want to be optimistic. You don't want to hear from the fans that are going to be like you know ready to uh, same old Jets and things are going to fall apart. You you want to believe that this is going to work out this this year. In a, in a strange way, it's very hard to handle all these good things that are happening. Like, I'm not used to this. Like, no, this is we, we have no time. idea. Like, you know, like it's even, like Ricky Bobby. I don't know what to do with my hands. Like, you just practice. A, a Lazard and Dwayne Brown and Carl Lawson. Everybody's back. The team is healthy going into week one. And Dalvin Cook's practicing today. You're like, what? I, I mean. Like, you sure somebody's not going on IR? Even, even in the good seasons that they've had. Like, you, you know, 2009, 2010, going to the championship game. There's just you know, 2009. They 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 got lucky to get into the playoffs. I mean, let's let's be honest. I mean, they you know Sanchez had his struggles, got it together in the playoffs, and things just didn't work out that smoothly. And even the following year, you know, like they they started to chip away at at, at pieces of the team that were successful, and it just was never easy. There was always something going on. Like like now, like. That this is not usually no, how this, the Jets this, this operate. Is and listen, it something will happen. It'll get tougher. But for right now, you can enjoy this going into Labor Day weekend, feeling really good about the Jets. We have to take a break, come back. Still want to get to something absolutely incredible that happened last night in sports. If you don't know about it, we will tell you. And I have a question for Peter about something that will happen on today's Boomer and Geo program with Jerry and Joe. It's Fleegs and Schwartz on the warm-up show. Coming right back on The Fan. When this happened, you talked about it on the fan. Snaps is low. Kick on its way. It's got the distance, and it is good! And Lawrence Tynes has done it again. He's kicked the Giants to the second Super Bowl in four years. When New York sports happens, talk about it here. The Fan, 1019 FM, and always live on the free Odyssey app. Fleegs and Schwartz here with you on the warm-up show. This is a gift from Zoo to me. This is Shake It Off, Taylor Swift. I was actually, (laughs) I was funny, I was at MetLife Stadium last night, and we're going to get to big sporting crowds in a second in the 300 level. And I was trying to think back to the last time I was there and sitting up in the 300s, and it was for a Taylor Swift concert Mm. way back in 2015 because all of the jet and everything else I've been, including other concerts after that, everything had been sitting further down. I forgot how much of a hike it is to get up to the three. And I'm going to have to do it a lot because I have jet tickets in the 300s this year. But going up all the escalators, it's like, oh, wow, right. This this takes a while to get up here. And Shake It Off is also from the movie Sing. Yes, you're right. Uh, The Reese Witherspoon character. Yeah, that was the first thing that actually came into my head when I heard the song. Good movie, Sing. That was a good one. It was very good. I have not seen Sing 2 yet. The rest of my family went to go see it in the movies. I was working that day, and I'm hoping to see it at some point. I watched it on a flight out to uh, the Rose Bowl last year. Pretty good, very good. Bono plays a character. Yeah. Very good performance of him and Scarlett Johansson, uh, Where the Streets Have No Name. Very good. I would recommend it. I want to get too quickly because we don't have a ton of time before our last break in the sports minute. So you actually started to ask me about this off the air, and I stopped you. I said, wait, wait, wait. 
I think I know where you're going. Let's save it for the air. So last night in Nebraska, mm-hmm. they set the record for the largest crowd to witness a women's sporting event. They filled Memorial Stadium in Nebraska, 92,003 fans to watch women's volleyball, Nebraska beating Omaha. And I mean, to get 92,000 people in there, the the way the community rallied around that, I mean, that's, I saw that was, you know, it's a large portion of the population of the state to show up for that. Incredible job by everyone who went. And I'll say this, because going to Penn State, I was there during the Penn State women's volleyball dynasty years when they went a couple years without losing a single Mm -hmm. match. Going to these matches in person, sitting down low to the court, incredible sporting event to watch in person. Yeah, what a scene. I watched a bunch of the videos um, last night and and coming into work here this morning just to see that sea of red. And you you start to think, well, it's got to be football, right? It's got to be maybe it's a spring game or something like that. Like, no, it's volleyball. And how great is it? And I started to read up about the whole event. It was a whole, like, volleyball day in in Nebraska. There was actually another college game, a lower-level college game that was before that game. And then there was a Scotty McCreary concert that followed the two games. It just just makes you feel good about where sports could be going, especially from from a women's perspective. You know, there's, there's and we been, know it's blowing up. The women's soccer team, the WNBA, the numbers and the ratings there are skyrocketing. Interest right, is skyrocketing. People is t- taking the liberty of New York's by far most successful have, sports I, team. I, I want to tell you something, and this is no joke. I I, I so badly want to go see a Liberty game. I really I went do. on Monday. It was great. Uh, my you wife's did. been this year. She said it's incredible. Uh, I, I've been to a couple in the past when they played in the Garden, but like now this seems like a fun team to watch. But congratulations to everybody in Nebraska. That was a wonderful event. And, um, and and good for people to take notice about how great some of these female athletes are. Absolutely. And again, one sport that it's it's a little bit more off the beaten path, just volleyball in general. And I didn't know anything about it until I go to Penn State. I'm a freshman. Hey, this is the best team in the country. They're coming off a national championship. They haven't lost in a year and a half. Okay, you go check it out. Really fun sporting event to watch in person. Anywhere in the gym. I've also seen them play at Rutgers. Obviously living here. Big Ten women's volleyball elite level competition some of the best programs in the country in the big 10 including nebraska who of course they have we're already have like about 10 years or so yeah since nebraska is in the big 10 but some of the best programs in the country in the big 10 if you ever get a chance to go watch elite level collegiate women's volleyball not kidding absolutely go there yeah that was and it's much more affordable than going to see like the mets of the yankees yeah it was just again it was wonderful to see i wanted to ask zoo what was the atmosphere like at a liberty game because i I don't know if you can really pick it up on television but how how was the game i gotta be honest uh at first the volume was really loud like the pa volume was really loud so i couldn't get a good vibe early on but after, like, looking back, everybody was engaged. The crowd was going pretty nuts. I mean, it was a big game. They were playing Las Vegas, who yeah. is a big team right now. But They've got a couple of wins over Las Vegas. Oh, yeah. So they're kind of making a statement as they head towards the playoffs. Hey, and if they, I think they're now one game out of the number one overall seed, which gets them the you know home court throughout the entire playoffs. Right. So if they get that, you know, host a couple finals games over at Barclays, maybe, maybe we all got to get over there. Yeah, I, I, I gotta I gotta get to a game. My kids would like to go see a game. My, my son wants to get a Sabrina Ionescu jersey and I don't you know Those jerseys are nice. The ones that say equality on the front, right? There's a couple of different versions that they have. 
Yeah, they have those ones, and then they have the ones that are like teal or sea foam. I think they call it. I I, I think they just the got the mixture of the teal jerseys. and black is a good yeah, look. I like yeah, that color like the combo. Sharp looking uniforms. Yeah, yeah. I know. I definitely much better go. than the Jets uniform current uniforms. But then again, yeah. so is everything on earth. Right. <laughs> so I got to check the schedule and get to a game. Zoo, Penn State women's volleyball home Friday night, Saturday. I know you're going up to State College, as am I for Penn State West Virginia on Saturday night. Any chance we can get you across campus, like a 15, 20-minute walk to Rec Hall to check out some of the volleyball on Saturday, or will you be uh, a little too deep into the tailgates? I'm not sure. I think I'm going to get there at like 12-ish, so we'll have okay. to see when I uh, when I actually get into town. Oh, I want to see him go to the volleyball. Get, get there at 11. Go to see volleyball no, see, first. I want to see him at the volleyball game, and then he can post a video saying, we here. There you go. That should be zoo around the world. Everywhere he goes, every sporting event. We here, we here, we here. We're here with you right now. It's Mike Flegelman and Peter Schwartz. A couple more minutes until Jerry Recco and Joe Beningo. Last break for a sports minute. When we come back, I have a very important question to ask Peter about something that I imagine he's been gearing up for in the mm-hmm. last day, if not longer. It's Flegelman Schwartz on the warm-up. It's the dynamic duo of Al and Jerry, the superheroes of WFAN. All right, final minutes for us. You got Mike Flegelman and Peter Schwartz with you. Jerry and Joe coming your way in just a little bit. Joe in his Daryl Strawberry shirt. Daryl will join the guys at 945. Jason Dominguez, Austin Wells, Ronnie Mauricio will all get the call, make their debuts on Friday night. And Peter, I'm eager to hear how you are thinking you will fare later today. Your big trivia showdown with Joe Beningo, Joe is the go-to Jets fan for, I mean, pretty much everybody in the entire fan mm-hmm. base. He's the light we all look to. How do you think right. you'll hold up? I think I'll hold up okay. I was a little taken back last week when Jerry brought it up to Gio that we were going to do this, and Gio immediately said it was going to be a bloodbath. That it was oh, going to be. I don't think a, that he thought it was going to be like. Now, you know, I'm, and I'm not saying that because Joe doesn't know his stuff, but you know more than Gio's giving you credit for. Oh, I think so. I then I think Joe would admit that too. What are we doing here? The je- the trivia contest. Oh, are we on the air now? Yeah, you're on the air. Okay. I like the name of Jersey. Oh, thank you. I wore that on my WFAN FM. WFAN FM HD1 New York. Always live on the Free Odyssey app.